A couple of comments uh, before we get into our teaching. Uh, the first is I'm uh, really uh, thrilled with uh, kind of a, a renewed uh, missions emphasis uh, in the life of our church. I, I think um, what they're doing at the Pregnancy Care Center uh, is simply awesome. Uh, we support them out of the general fund, the general tides that come in. And, uh, and as a result of that, in, in connection with a number of other churches and donors, they were able to open uh, an office in Lowell. So uh, that's a, a great uh, move forward, a great witness, a, a great kingdom work, and, and we're just thrilled with that. Um, it's been... Exciting to see uh, Chris and uh, Stacy Deans um, kind of revitalize our short-term missions uh, trip. They're going to the Dominican, uh, and so if you're interested in that, that's coming up. And in the same um, kind of uh, renewal in missions, we have uh, seen Sarah Fisher come back here and share with our young people in Sunday school about missions. That, that was something that happened annually many years ago, uh, the penny drives. I didn't see a trophy, um, but I intend to get a piece of pizza. So, uh, and, and then our, our, uh, we're a cooperative church with uh, uh, the New England Baptist Association, which we put our little pittance in with many, with 44,000 other churches to help, uh, you know, fund uh, missionaries uh, around the world that don't have to, you know, beg for money but are supported. And uh, so all these things together over the last, I'd say, you know, six months have been just incredibly positive for us as a church to maintain an, an outward focus. So... I want to thank you, that those that have participated in that. And if you've not found a way to participate in it, um, you know, kind of go before the Lord and say, how can I reach my little neighborhood? You know, how can I, how can I reach my little extended family? But how can I uh, do something for uh, world evangelism, which is uh, that part of that great commission, is it not? So I'm excited about that. It's great to see things kind of uh, cycle through but come on the other side in a, in a good way. Um, the second thing I, I would share with you this morning is, is along that same line of Thanksgiving is that uh, on March 4th, first Sunday of the month in March in 1987, we began meeting as a church on Sunday mornings. And we began in Lowell at the Moody School um, and there's still a few people around from that Moody School era, which which we're which we're grateful for. I know that the Doucettes were here at first service, uh, the Skinners, uh, they were part of us at uh, at uh, the Moody School. And uh, were the Petefields there? No. Who? Anybody else that's a remnant from the Moody School days that I missed? The, oh, the, yeah, the Corrells, uh, the Groses. Uh, so it's really, well, Rob Gros wasn't married at the time, but, uh, but, but uh, we certainly took care of that, didn't we, Carol? 
So uh, we're grateful for, uh, you know, the Lord's just goodness to us. Um, we, we started with just each other's hearts and, and, the, and the goodness of God. And the Lord has done just, just, uh, just it's just really good. And uh, so thank you for those that have uh, kind of labored with us over the years and, and those that have just joined us. Um, there's room at the table for you, so we're grateful uh, that you're here also this morning. Uh, so with that in mind, if you come with me to Titus, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, uh, Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. As part of the introduction, I threw in another little way of looking at verses uh, 1 through 4. Uh, we've looked at verses 1 through 4. If we, if we were to do that, that, this would be the third Sunday just dealing with Paul's introduction. But I'll tell you what, we're not going to do that. So uh, when you look at 1 through 4 and you view it through the lens of what is the purpose of the church, you see that verses 1 through 4 bring out... Uh, you know, the essential nature that Jesus is our Savior. And, and the greatest purpose of our church and, and the greatest challenge is to keep Christ at the center of our church and Christ as the head of the church. Um, uh, pastors have to remind themselves, uh, along with elders and other leaders, that it's, that is not our church. That, that we are only stewards, we are only uh, under-shepherds of, of, of Jesus. And, and as we keep that as the center of our church, which has been our heart for the, since the beginning 33 years ago, or, or 34 in June when we first started in a home study in my home in Billerica, um, as we keep him at the center, all these other secondary issues find their way uh, to flourish and, and to bring good fruit. When a, when a man or a denomination or an association or, or, or a group of leaders feel that they're the head of the church, then you get a lot of weirdness and a lot of difficulties that come, come, come your way. But uh, Christ is the, is the head and the center and the person that we want to exalt and give praise to. When we come to our text this morning, we begin at verse 5, and Paul writes this to Titus. Titus was, and I mean this in a, in a, in a positive way, Titus was Paul's fix-it man. In other words, if there was a problem in a church, uh, Titus was a go-to person. He wasn't quite like Timothy. Uh, Timothy was a little, little reserved, a little shy. Matter of fact, he had a little stomach ailment that gave him trouble, so he's a little queasy from time to time, Timothy was. Uh, Titus wasn't quite that way. Titus was a, was a, a genuine uh, a leader, had the gift of administration, as you looked at that gift def, uh, described by Paul in uh, Romans chapter 12. So he had that gift of administration, that gift of leadership that's so vital in the, in the life of a church. And so we come here and look at verse 5. He says, Paul says, this is why I left you in Crete. I left you, he, <laughs> and I have to, it's, it's humorous because um, as we're going to look at next week, uh, the church at Crete was, was quite a mess, and Paul didn't stick around to fix it. He simply <laughs> gave it to someone that had 
perhaps even better gifts than the Apostle Paul as far as church development and, and administration. So there's all kinds of gifts that's needed to make a church uh, what it should be in the eyes of the Lord. And you have gifts. Each one of you has a gift. Each one of you, some of you have more than one gift. And as you seek to use those for the, for the glory of God, what you'll see is that you'll find joy and you'll, you'll be able to find joy in the midst of that, but also you, you would contribute to the growth and the flourishing of a local assembly. And Titus was that type of man. He says, this is why I left you in Crete for, for two purposes. And the first purpose is, is um, a derivative that we use, ortho, which is, means mending bones and setting bones in order. And so Titus' job was to fix what was broken. That's why I call him Paul's fix-it man, is that he was to fix what was broken. And what was broken in, in, it, in the core of it, in the core of what was broken, was a dysfunctional leadership. And, and Titus was to remedy that. And as he remedied the leadership, then the doctrine would come into line, the teaching would come into line, uh, the ungodliness that existed in the church would come into line. And that's the, that's the role of what we're going to see, the role of an elder, the, a role of a bishop, uh, a role of uh, a, a pastor, is to mend the brokenness in people's lives and to raise up others, that 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, to raise up others that could carry on the work of the kingdom. And so pastoring, and you're going to see in a minute that all these words are interchangeable. Pastor, bishop, overseer, they're, they're all used together to describe the person, and in our day and time, we would say that that would be the senior pastor, that they're all due to, they all describe the functional aspects of being a, a pastor, a minister of the gospel. It's to fix the brokenness in people's lives and to raise up others that can do the same thing. And so Titus was left there to, to get a hold of and to bring healing to what was broken, what was lacking. And secondly, he was there to appoint elders in every town, just as Paul directed Timothy to do in 2 Timothy 2.2. That was his job. And when we look at this word elders, it requires a little bit of an explanation because if I was to ask, if I was to have a list of churches, say Free Methodist, uh, Assembly of God, uh, the, uh, the, the First Church of Pentecostal High Jumpers and Tongue Speakers and Demon Killers, um, you know, Free Methodist, uh, Free Baptist, if, if I was to list all these churches out, We'll ask you to raise your hand. You would find that we are, we're kind of like a mutt, you know. God has brought us from all kinds of different places, all kinds of different ethnic backgrounds to bring us, bring us together. And so these terms are used in, depending upon your denominational background, uh, these terms are all used differently. But they all mean the same thing. They all point to the function of pastoring a church in our language today. 
And so there's three terms that, that are used to describe this place as elder. And you see all three of them used in Acts chapter 20. Uh, come with me and take a look at it. Acts chapter 20. So, so Titus is told to appoint elder, and there's three terms that are used interchangeably to describe the function of the person who's leading the assembly. Take a look at Acts chapter 20. Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders, and in, in verse 17, he says, Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the what? Elders. And that word is usually always used in the plural. It's always used to describe a group of men that have a, a particular attribute, that they are, they are mature, right? Now, Stephen's just coming into his maturity at 18 years old. And he's typical of when we started the church. We were all somewhere around the age of 30. Some of us were 30, 29, 27. Some were 35. And it was difficult to appoint elders when you're all like that. But the term elders, it re refers to those that are mature. And we get some insight that when we look across the New Testament is always used in a plural sense, which tells you what about church leadership? What does it tell you? It, who said that? Team. It's about a team. It, it's about a team. And what we'll come to find out that there's two offices in the church. There's the office of elder and there's an the office of deacon. We don't use that term deacon, and, and I'll explain why in a minute. But it's a, there's a team effort. It's just not... It's just not a solo go at it. If you just have a solo go at it, man, it gets, it gets ugly and messy because no one man can carry the load of a church. No one man has, no one person has all the giftings that's needed to pastor a church. There's some that think they do. Present company, not excluded <laughs> in the beginning years. Because as, as a young man, you kind of get full of yourself, right? You think you're more than you're not. But when we go back to Romans chapter 12, it says, don't think more highly of yourselves than you ought to. And so Paul uses this term elders here. Now, this is the same context. Come, come along with me uh, to verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you, what's the word there? Overseers. Refers to the same person. And so what you have is you have a, a, a function of being mature, um, seasoned, to describe the pastorate in our language, senior pastorate in our language. As an overseer, you have someone that, that is uh, in charge or responsible for making things happen and administratively uh, making things happen. The things that are in your bulletin about the influenza and the coronavirus, that, that, that's an example of proper oversight over a church's life. That's very practical. And so overseeing, and then in the same context here, you get the same sense of poimen, although the word 
isn't particularly used. It says, which he obtained, uh, take a look, overseas to care for the church of God, which he obtained by his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in and among you, not sparing the what? The flock, speaking of that, that, that poiman, that shepherd, that pastor's heart. And so all three of these terms are used interchangeably to describe this particular person. Now, when we harmonize the New Testament, the, what we see is the office of, of, of elders are mature men that had five duties. And this is in your notes under the so what, now what. There to, number one, settle church disputes. It comes out of Acts chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. And so I like that about having elders in, in the church because suddenly disputes is, man, I'd rather go, I don't know, I'd rather probably go do anything else. I'll take a root canal over, <laughs> over church conflict. And so, the, so that's one of the things that they do in Acts chapter 15. They had to pray for the sick, which is something I love to do. To pray for the sick, James, James 5, 4. To pray for people, to anoint them with oil. To pray a prayer of faith that God would come and do a mighty work and intervene in someone's life. And from time to time, we see that happen. And it only fuels you to do more. Only fuels you to do more. Watch over the church in humility, 1 Peter 5. Watch out for the spiritual life of the congregation, Hebrews 13. Focus on prayer and teaching the word, Acts chapter 6. And so these, this is eldership. This is, this is what it looks like. Now, like I said, there's two offices, two offices in the church, and the second office is what? Deacons are deaconesses. <laughs> there's men and women that serve. And we, so here, Q, Q, uh, pay attention for a minute here. Here we go. We don't use that word here. We don't, you don't see, oh, this is, this is, you know. Yeah, the, oh, this is, yeah, you help me out. What's your name? Somebody tell me your name. You know, this is Deaconesses Kathy. It's like, what? What is that? People come in that don't know, don't know church life. You're a, you're a Dakin? A Dukin? Some tribe from Scotland? No. We don't use that term because deacon is just a word that describes someone who does what? Serves. That's it. And so, so here we want to be clear who the elders are because they have a particular oversight function, right? But deacons are just people that serve. And so we try to use functional titles like, like the youth group coordinator or the Sunday school directors or the church administrator. Or the church treasurer, or the, you know, what's your title? Our ministry assistant. And, but even that doesn't work. The coffee maker. I mean, that's better, isn't it? The ministry of coffee. I mean, I'm getting carried away here. I love this topic. So you have, so when you look at your notes, you, you see, our 2020 leadership team. If they're not an elder, they're a what? They're a deacon. Why? Because they're serving. Now, now, years ago, I've stopped doing this because it causes too much confusion. Um, 
But people would come in from other places. You know, they come in from other places and said, you know, what does it take to be in leadership here? As soon as someone tells you that, you say, well, the back door is this way. Because they, they just want to control rather than what? Serve. But anyway, they come in and said, you know, I, I, there was a deacon at my last church, and you know, I really feel God's called me to that. And I'd be goofing around with them, and I'd say, all right, all right, you want to be a deacon? Sit down here. We'll pray for you. We're going to make you a deacon right now. And the person be flipping out. <laughs> and then I tell them, look, deacon just means to serve. You start serving, and God will take care of the titles. And God will take care of the power that you're looking for. And God will take care of your heart. And so position and title is not based upon title. It's based upon character. And that's the rest of our text. It's not based upon what title you have. It's based upon are you Christ-like. And there's very little difference, as you see in the notes, It's very little difference between, between the qualifications for an elder and that of a deacon primarily is focused on, on, on the teaching of the word is not part of the primary, say, qualifications for a deacon. But everything else, everything else uh, pertains to both elder and deacon. And so we come back to the te- text. Um, Paul writes about that a, an elder is to be above reproach. Which just simply means that if you go to Market Basket, <laughs> if you go to Market Basket and, and, you, and you ask the tellers, hey, do you know Eddie Conway, that shot Irish guy? And, and, they, and they say, oh, yeah, yeah, we know him. He's a good guy. Matter of fact, he lets people cut in front of him. And he talks to us and he uses our name. That's what it means. It means that if you go outside the church, do people say you're okay? A good reputation. We want our leadership to have a good reputation, just not in the church, but outside the church. I've shared this story with you one time, is that um, I, Nancy, Nancy and I were dating, and um, uh, she gave me uh, a, a, check to, a check to deposit. Let me tell you this. Anytime you get a check from my beloved wife, make sure you catch it, cash it quick, you know? So, so I got this. I got this. <laughs> well, I'm going to get it. Um, so I got this check. So I went, I went down. I, I, I won't. Should I name the bank? I'll just tell you that it's not Enterprise Bank, all right? But I went down to a bank in town, which I had had problems with for years and years. And I went into that. And, 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 and I tried to cash that check. And they said, do you have a deposit here? Do you have an account here? I said, no, I don't. But I have, I have uh, the, uh, my fiance's check and uh, her information's on the back and I have my license. And the teller looked at me and she goes, that's not good enough, Mr. Conway. And I was like, what? And I said, I want to talk to the manager. And I said, so, Get all puffy and huffy, go over, talk to the manager. My son's a banker. She goes, uh, uh, "There's nothing I can do for you. It's the it's the law." So I was so upset. I call up Tim, 
I call up Tim, who's a, ba a banker in New York. I said, you, you, you wouldn't believe the way I was treated. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> and he goes, they're absolutely right. You need to go back there and apologize. <laughs> it was the last thing in the world I wanted to hear. So I'm driving my car down 3A. <laughs> and then the Holy Spirit speaks to me. You sinner. <laughs> you need to apologize. I don't want to. <laughs> Turn around. <laughs> You could, have, you could have picked both the teller and the, and the manager off the floor. And I said, you know, I got to come back and apologize because I didn't handle this the right way and I wasn't, I wasn't very nice. You know, the truth be told, I think I was more fearful. If, what if they would come on Sunday morning and then they look at who's preaching? <laughs> but... <laughs> Above reproach, above reproach, to have a good reputation within the church and with outside the church. It's easy to be a, a holy schmoly or a holy Joe. I mean, it's easy. You've got a holy Joe right there. <laughs> it's, you know, <laughs> I know, i got to move on. All right. All right, above reproach, the husband of one wife, a one-woman man, one-woman man. One woman, one time. Doesn't mean that if you're single, you can't be an elder. Doesn't mean that at all. We, we have uh, Jared Denaro up there in Manchester who's co-pastoring up there. He, he's single. But it means one woman, one, one woman man. If a man has more than one woman, it's a mental health issue. <laughs> it's a disease. Because any man that has... You know, more than one woman, it's a real sickness. And plus, you can't not love someone like that. You can't give your whole heart all that you are. You can't love your wife as Christ loved the church because you're always holding something back. And so a leader needs to be that. We go on. It says... And his children. And so the training ground that we see for ministry is not primarily what happens here on Sunday, but is primarily in the home. And it's not that it's not that none of us have perfect children. Some of us have perfect grandchildren. Trying to get those parents in line. Don't mess those kids up. <laughs> Don't do what I did to you. <laughs> Don't do that. None of our homes are perfect. But is the heart there? Are you discipling your kids? Are you working to shape and mold the heart? See, what happens in the home is a good indicator of what will happen in a church. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. We talked about that stewardship. It's God's church. It's not ours. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. 
needs to look like Jesus. And then finally here we see, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine to, rebu to rebuke those who contradict it. And so ministry is best viewed through the lens of function and not title. It's best viewed through qualification as one of character and not politicking in a church. That's why the leadership is appointed and not elected. And so when you come to here, let me spend a minute or two. When you come to Calvary Chapel, Manchester, Chelmsford in Manchester, every church in the New Testament was autonomous, self-governing. Uh, and yet they collaborated together in a collegiate way, especially when we look at the collection for the saints at Jerusalem. And we too do that. We, col we collaborate with other groups uh, in a collegiate way to advance the kingdom of God. We collaborate specifically with three. Uh, the Calvary Chapel Association, which is a pastor-only group. Uh, that's always shocking to people that have been in Cal Calvary Chapel for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. The Calvary Chapel Association is just an association of pastors, not of churches. Secondly, we're part of Calvary Global Network, and it's just the opposite there. <laughs> it's, a, it's a network of churches, and, um, and the pastor's part of that. And then we're part of, and I've already mentioned this, um, uh, the New England Baptist Conference, uh, and the church is a part of that, and the pastor is part of that. And we, we do that so that we can uh, advance the kingdom through a variety of different ways and, and, and for our church to have resources uh, that we can't provide for ourselves. Secondly, um, we're, we're um, a 50C3 by the IRS, Chapter 180, by the state, and because of that, we have a board of directors, which is the voting board, you know, to protect the corporate trust. We have a group of elders who are appointed and have those five duties, and we have deacons, but we use functional titles to describe them. And so the leadership structure of the church is elders and deacons, and the way we make decisions as as if you've been here a little bit, you know that it's always done in a collaborative way. In other words, we share with each other and it's done in a collegiate way. We respect each other. And so our leadership style here is, is, is a team. It's collaborative in fact that we talk together and um, it's collegiate. And we do that at our, our monthly leadership meetings now with the staff and the senior leaders and then from time to time with the broader group and all those people I've listed at the, at the bottom of your, of your sermon notes this morning. And so all that to say this, Christ is the head of the church. We want to keep Christ at the center. We want elders and deacons to be like who? To be like Christ. And we want to allow people, men and women, to fulfill 
their God-given destiny, we want to equip them to be prepared for heaven, not this life. And in the same breath, we want to see men and women use their gifts and their talents to glorify God and to advance the kingdom. And that is a little snapshot of what leadership is like here in Chelmsford in Manchester. Can you say amen? amen. All right. Uh, we're going to close with the Lord's table. Uh, if you could take a minute and uh, close up your notes and prepare your heart. Uh, we'll celebrate the Lord's table together. On this uh, 33rd year together as a church, glorifying Christ and serving him together. Amen.